Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're uh, in part three of a message series called Bold, Praying Daily. Uh, daringly. And so last week uh, we had this prayer, God, give me great boldness. In week one, God, break my heart. We looked at the story of Nehemiah. And since uh, Thursday is Thanksgiving, I want to be the first to say to you, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have an opportunity to, to celebrate with your friends and your family. And today's prayer, we're going to focus on today's prayer with these three words. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, personally, I absolutely love Thanksgiving. And here's why I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving because of the five F's. Anybody know what the five F's are? Uh, Family, food, football, fun, and a four-day weekend. Right? What's there not to love about Thanksgiving? I absolutely love Thanksgiving, and uh, it's a a great time just to, to fix our hearts on on being thankful, on the power of gratitude, because I think there is something that is so instinctive, so intuitive about being grateful. I mean, when something good happens in our lives or we see the light at the end of the tunnel or we're on the backside of something really hard, we just intuitively, we're just like, thank you. Now, for some folks, it's thank goodness. For others, it's thank God. (laughs) But for all of us, it's thank somebody or thank something, right? Because it is so natural for us to express our gratitude. I mean, it's, it seems like we just can't help it. And, and I say we can't help it because there are certain times when we, we don't express our gratitude. See, sometimes it's not always so intuitive. It's not always so fluid when we express our gratitude to one another. We might think about it and we might feel it, but the actual expression of our gratitude to other people, it kind of gets a little clunky. It gets muddled. And it's really difficult because if you've ever been a recipient of somebody's ungratefulness, then all of a sudden what it does is it creates a gap in the relationship. And that gap, if it's not addressed, it begins to undermine the health of that relationship. I mean, think about it. When somebody has not expressed their gratitude to you, doesn't it sting your heart? It stings, it hurts, right? It hurts because there's a gap there and you feel like, man, I I wish you would have said thank you. I wish you would have expressed something to me. See, our ingratitude communicates it communicates that, that really we don't notice. I didn't notice you. I, I didn't see your contribution. You really don't have that much value or your effort is minimized or your sacrifice. I didn't see those things. And it just makes the gap wider. In most cases, ingratitude is the absence of words. And ingratitude is the absence of 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 recognition. Ingratitude is the absence of appreciation. And here's the key. Ingratitude, ingratitude is an absence of those three things regardless of how you feel or what you think about the person in your heart and in your head. 
Ingratitude stings. It's painful. Not because of what someone has done to you, but what someone has withheld from you. And it's those expressions of words or recognition or appreciation. And what it does, it strengthens that relationship. Now, if you're anything like me, when you uh, suffer at the hands of ingratitude, there's some crazy things that take place inside of you. The crazy part about ingratitude is simply this, that it looms large in the eyes of the person who has not been acknowledged. But for the person who's the perpetrator, ingratitude oftentimes remains invisible. Have you not expressed it? Like when you're ungrateful for somebody and you create that gap, all of a sudden you're clueless and in their mind they're like, how could you not say thank you? How did you not see me, notice me, what I did for you, right? It's invisible to the perpetrator, but to those who have not experienced this, like, daggone it, you are so ungrateful. It's scary how big it is. Now, Here's the thing. Here's what's crazy about ingratitude. And really, if, uh, if you ever thought about it, how many of you people uh, out there struggle with ungrateful people? I do. If you're watching online, you struggle with ungrateful people? I do. I, I can be, I, I have to monitor this in my heart, but I can be kind of like a one and done type person. If somebody's not grateful to me, it's hard for me to leverage my, 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 my resources, my time, my money, my words. It's hard for me to, to leverage any kind of influence that I could help them. And I have to monitor this as a Christ follower because Jesus calls me. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he calls you to be kind and generous and loving regardless of people's responses. But I struggle with that. That's hard for me. And the whole point of today's message, that's why I want to talk about just this one idea today that unexpressed gratitude is experienced as ingratitude. Let me say that again. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced by the other person as ingratitude, no matter what you think or how you feel. All right. Now, if you're a middle school or high school student here today, middle school, high school students, um, wake up. Okay, you're online, wake up. If you're a parent of a middle school, high school, and you're sitting behind, uh, next to them, go ahead and hit them with your elbow. Go ahead, do it right now. Yep, yep, there you go. I see a mom doing that, okay. And this high school boy hockey checked him. All right, good, hit him, hit. okay, all right. If you're a middle school, high school student, I wanna say something to you, but I don't want your parents to hear, okay? So listen up. If you want, if you want your parents to be more yes than no, more freedom than control, more trust than mistrust, then here's what you can do. You can express your gratitude for everything out loud. Why? Because most parents, and parents, won't you agree with me, most parents feel like they're taken granted for. They do. And if you're a typical middle school or high school student, you just kind of think this way. You might be tempted to think this way. Like, oh, the room that I have in my house, the, the, the clothes, the cool clothes that I have, all the stuff that I have, all my athletic equipment and everything when I need rides, all this and more than enough food and some cool vacations that I take. You think that they're supposed to do that for you. You're like, Adam, come on. They're my parents after all, Right? Now, the typical high school or middle school students, they, they, would, they would be tempted to think that way. But listen, students, I don't want you to be typical. I want you to turn up the gratitude. Why? Because first of all, your parents deserve it. 
And second of all, when, when students are grateful to their parents, it melts their hearts. It does. It's just in a way like, uh, recently last week, we were in Michigan and we took an official visit there and Ella and, and Laura and I were together and, and Ella just, she said something, it was so small and yet it meant so much to me. She, she was just saying, uh, she said to, to Laura and I, she said, thank you so much for not raising me that way. And I tell you, she could have asked for a brand new car and I would have figured out a way to make it happen. <laughs> All right? Now don't tell her that because she's going to try that trick next weekend or something, but I mean, she was just like, thank you for not raising me that way. I was like, yeah. I just wanted to give Laura a smooch and then be like, we did it. Yeah, baby. And, you know, I kind of played it cool. Like, yeah, of course, you know, that's why we're in the word. That's why we talk to all these wise parents, you know, trying to figure it out. It melts their hearts. Now, Middle school, high school students, I get it. It's really hard to do because you're a part of a generation and uh, you're, you're growing up in a society that doesn't really model this well. So here's what we had to do. We had to go younger than you. So we talked to some Pathways kids. And if you are a student, you can take your cues from some of these kids. We asked them this question. What are you thankful for? Watch what they said. I'm thankful for my friends, family, and my pets. I'm thankful for my toys. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my friends and my family. I'm thankful for my brother Henry for bringing new monster trucks for my um for my house. Um, a Scooby Doo one, and I loved it. Thank you for my toys. Thankful for my house and my, um, my just like my family. My family. Cool. You're cool. I'm thankful for love and my family. I'm thankful for my mommy and my daddy, Kitty and Hunter. I'm thankful for my family and I'm thankful for being nice to other people. I'm thankful for my grandma and grandpa. Are you you're thankful for your mama? For my daddy. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for God. He made this world. And I'm thankful for my mom and my family. And I'm thankful for everyone that 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 is here. <laughs> Isn't that great? I think, uh, I think that last little boy, Michael, is going to be our newest intern here at Pathways. He's got like pastor blood in him or something. I don't know. He is just grateful for everybody. He's grateful for you. He's grateful for his church and for God and for his family. Now, parents, I don't want you to miss out on this too, because sometimes we as parents can get so super busy, and there's this, there's this feeling inside that we're a bit alienated from our kids. We get so busy that we feel like we're disconnected from our kids. And here's the strange thing about gratitude. We can feel grateful for them, but they don't know it. And you know why they don't know it? Because they're not necessarily so concerned that you show up in their heart or in their head. They want you to have them to show up on your calendar. You can love them with your heart, but love them with your calendar. The calendar is what counts. The calendar is what connects. The calendar is what communicates. For teenagers, for kids, they spell love, T-I-M-E, time. 
When you invest time with them and you are fully present with them, there is something that is so powerful about that as parents. And I think this week, it's going to give us a great opportunity to carry this message of gratitude with us throughout the week with our friends and our family as we celebrate Thanksgiving together. But as I was thinking about friends and family and all the people that when I look in the rearview mirror, I think, man, I have a lot, a lot of people who've enabled me to move forward in my progress and, and success in life. There, there's, there's someone who I have oftentimes acted like a typical middle school or high school student. There's someone who I've withheld my gratitude and I have not given the expression of my gratitude to. And that person is Jesus. I've actually, uh, maybe you've been like this, I've almost taken him for granted, his blessings. I almost expect him just to forgive me, just to heal me, just to protect me. It's almost like, Jesus, you're supposed to do that for me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever just thought like, man, he is so reliable and he's such a rock and I build my life and all those things are true and yet it's easy for me in my prayer life not to say thank you, Lord. You know why? Because my prayer life, well, it can become about me. My problems, my issues, my needs, my requests, what I need God to do for me versus zooming out, backing up, pausing and saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, last night we had uh, one of our volunteers who posted, uh, she does social media for us and she helps out on that team and she posted this question on social media. She said, in the past year, what, what are you thankful for? And this morning I woke up to that and I was so encouraged to see so many people from Pathways post on that. Some people said, uh, Catherine, her grandmother said, I'm so excited, I'm so thankful for new grandbabies. Another person said, I'm grateful for, for the opportunity to go with my wife to uh, Great Wolf Lodge. Somebody said, I'm grateful for a new pop-up camper that me and my family can make memories. Somebody said, I'm grateful for retirement. Somebody's like, I'm grateful for a brand new son-in-law whom we love deeply. I, I'm grateful for, it was just all this gratitude. And you know what I thought as I was driving into church today? I thought to myself, you know what a great action step for us to do? What if we took that post and we responded to it and then we shared it on social media? What if we filled up the feed with gratitude and thankfulness rather than all the animosity and all the negativity and all the garbage on social media? What if we were the people that said, we're grateful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you for, for watching over me. Somebody posted, my son should have been dead and he's alive. I am so thankful. Like, that's amazing. We have so much to be grateful for as, as people. So I want to challenge you today. Why don't you go online and figure that out? Go on social media and, and put something down and share that. Let's spread that spirit of gratitude. Now, uh, <laughs> here's uh, the, the key. It's, it's the expression, not the emotion of gratitude that strengthens a relationship. Parents, it's this expression that strengthens that relationship. And here's why, because gratitude creates a bond. See, we as human beings, we gravitate toward gratitude. Why? Because it's the language of the heart. 
And the language of the heart is found in one of the stories in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus gives one of his most famous stories, actually experience that, that took place with gratitude. And, and, and when he was passing through this little border town between Samaria and, and Galilee. And this little town was like very remote. It was sparsely populated. There wasn't a lot of people. It was like on the outskirts of civilization. For us, if you live in Northeast Wisconsin, if you live in another part of the country and you're watching this, think something small and remote. For us in Northeast Wisconsin, it'd be like Shyocton, okay? Everybody, Shyocton. Think Shyocton, okay? So this was the setting, this was the scene, and there were 10 individuals, 10 people who hovered between life and death. They weren't dead, but they weren't fully alive. Why? Because they had to socially distance. We know what that is. They had to socially distance from those around them because they had an extremely infectious disease. And every time they got close to somebody, if they would see somebody, they would have to say, unclean, unclean. What did they have? Leprosy. Leprosy, now, you, you should Google this. This disease is so tragic, especially without modern medicine. It literally rots away your skin. And the hard thing is your, 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 your fingers and your toes and your ears. And here's the hard thing. You don't even feel the pain. And it's so infectious. In fact, I heard a story of a missionary who lived in Africa and he had his family there. And when a leper would come by and visit, it was so contagious that everything that they would have or give to them, they would put in a burn pile and destroy it. And they would say, never go back to this spot. Leprosy was that contagious. And so we pick up the story in Luke chapter 17. If you have a Bible or mobile device, go with me. It'll be on the screens behind me. Here's what scripture says. Now, on his way, Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem and he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him, but they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Can I just pause here and say something? Jesus is never afraid of nowhere. Jesus is never afraid of remote places that are sparsely populated with people who are, are full of infectious diseases. Jesus is always close and ready to show his mercy and his compassion on you and on me. And this is what scripture says. When he saw them, that's key. He noticed them. He said, go, go, which wasn't really what they were expecting. They weren't thinking that Jesus was going to say go. Rather, they thought he was going to say go away. Like, we don't want anything to do with you. But Jesus said, go, show yourself to the priest. Now, let, let, me, let me share with you something really fascinating about this passage. We're going to kind of take a deep dive because when Jesus says to those 10 lepers, go and show yourself to the priest, he's actually giving a triple threat, okay? We're gonna take a deep dive. I wanna look at these three threats that he shows, okay? Ready? You ready? Let's go. All right, here's the first thing. In order for a leper to get the all clear, a leper in those days would have to go to a priest and would have to show that they were clean, that there was some kind of miracle, if you will. So the implication of Jesus saying to the lepers, I need you to go see the priests. On the way to going to the priests, they were going to receive a miracle. 
That's the first threat. The first thing that Jesus is saying. It's a triple threat kind of offense. He says, I want you to go. The second thing is that if all 10 show up to the priest and they're all healed, they're gonna see the power and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because the priests are gonna say, who healed you? It wasn't just like one out of 10. It was all 10 because our God is powerful and he came from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus Christ to heal all our diseases. And so when they would show up to the priest, they would say, this Jesus, we have to find and follow him or reject him. Because every single person in human history has the choice either to find and follow or to find and reject. That's your choice. The third reason that Jesus says this is because if the lepers were worth risking their pride and follow in obedience and demonstrate extraordinary obedience, they would receive a miracle. And the second part of verse 14 says this, as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, as they obeyed, as they listened, as they demonstrated their extraordinary faith. Listen, in Christian circles, if you're new to faith, we oftentimes talk about this, uh, uh, walk by faith and not by sight. Literally, these 10 lepers were walking by faith. They weren't healed and then walked. They walked as lepers and were healed when they appeared to the priests. Question. How are you at walking by faith? How are you at following the promise and the prompting of Jesus without knowing the outcome? That's a tough one, isn't it? Then the twist in the story. The reason that we're even talking about the story today is verse 15. One of them, one of them, when, when, when he saw that he was healed, he came back. Why did he come back? He wanted to close the loop. He wanted to return. It wasn't enough for him to feel grateful. It wasn't him, enough for him to, to experience the emotion. He came back praising God in a what? In a loud voice. He turned up the gratitude. He said this in verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus's feet and he thanked him. He thanked him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He wanted to go back to the one who enabled him to move forward. He wanted to go back to this Jesus the person who noticed him and saw him and spoke healing to him and say, thank you. I praise you. And here's the crazy part about the story. The, the last part of that verse says, and he was a Samaritan, implying that the other nine weren't fully Jewish. They were half-breeds. He was an outsider already. Ethnically, he was ostracized from the Jewish uh, religion. He was looked down upon. And then you throw on top of that, he's a leper. And yet this outsider returns to Jesus and says, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, verse 17 is really important because we're gonna see how human Jesus is. 
Jesus is just like you and me. He's fully human, and yet he's fully God. We're gonna see his humanity in verse 17. He says, he asks this question, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Now, in the original language, in the Greek there, that interrogative where is at the end of the sentence. Do you see that in verse 17? Where are the other nine? In the original, the where is at the end. So here is the literal translation of what Jesus said. Nine, where? Nine, where? In other words, Jesus was saying, I healed all 10 and only one returned. Nine, where are they? Now, isn't that just like how we would respond if somebody was ungrateful? If you were a part of somebody's healing, 10 people. I don't know what you did. Maybe you rescued them from the streets. Maybe you, you, you bought apartments for them. Maybe you physically nourished them because they were starving and only one came back to you. Wouldn't you say, nine, where? They missed their window of opportunity to come back and close that gap. Their opportunity to express and to say, ah, thank you, Lord. I want to praise you, Lord. Now, now, understand, if we went to those nine individuals and we would say to them, you weren't grateful, they'd probably say, no, what? We're grateful. Of course we're grateful. But what happened? They got so busy and preoccupied and re-entered life and work and worship and friends and family, they forgot to go back to the one who enabled them to move forward. And before we get so judgy and critical on the nine, can I just say we've all been the nine? We've all been the nine. We've all been the nine to Jesus who has healed us and forgiven us and done so many things in our life. There are so many blessings that Jesus has given to us and we have failed to thank him adequately. We have missed out. In fact, in your mind right now, I want you to bring up, just like people on social media did on our post, I want you to bring up something in your mind that you're thankful for. What are you thankful for? Over this past year, you're, you're thankful. Maybe God got you through COVID. You had a really hard bout with COVID. Or maybe you went through a financial pressure. You lost your job because something transpired. Or maybe, I don't know, you, you, you got an OWI. Or, or maybe you lost custody of one of your children and regained them back. I, I don't know what it is. You experienced emotional healing in this past year. What is one thing you're thankful for? Now, softly at your seat, I want you to say this in a soft voice. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead, say it softly. Thank you, Lord. Can we say it as a congregation together? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The story ends up and wraps up this way. It says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. He says, I want you to go this time. No need to come back. You close the loop, you returned, you expressed the feeling of gratitude. Now, let me draw two observations from this and ask you a question. First observation we've already touched upon, but essentially it's this, that unexpressed Gratitude communicates ingratitude. 
Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude to the people who have helped you move forward. The second observation is this. Unexpressed gratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. Listen, this is really important. Lean in, look up here. Sometimes we struggle to express gratitude because we think we could have done it on our own. And therefore, there's no need to thank the person for what they have done for us. See, are you the kind of person that it's easier for you to, to point out what's wrong in a situation or what's wrong in our government or what's wrong at school or what's wrong about the project or what's wrong about the other person rather than being the kind of person who can say, well, there's actually some good things that are taking place. Are you more cynical and critical and pessimistic and ungrateful rather than being, there is some good and I wanna be grateful for the good. Have you ever thought about why you're like that? Have you ever dug around on that? If you haven't, let me give you a hint. Sometimes we're like that because we associate gratitude with weakness. We associate gratitude with saying, well, you know what? I actually needed somebody to help me accomplish and to get to this place in my life. And guess what? You did. You couldn't do it on your own. See, in the wake of your progress and your success, in the wake of everything that you have accomplished financially and relationally and professionally and athletically and academically, there are dozens of people in the rearview mirror that set you up for growth and success. And by you expressing your gratitude, it's not a form of weakness, it's actually a form of maturity. It's actually godly to say thank you, to say thank you. Um, I think that we as a church should be the kind of church that is full of grateful people. I, I think that gratitude, um, we, we use the term um, um, evangelism. It's a fancy term for reaching out and sharing your faith, having conversations. The people who are magnetic, the people that we gravitate to are people who are grateful for what God has done in and through their lives. Like, you don't need to necessarily know 16 scriptures if you just know 16 things that you're grateful for that God has done in your life. And if you know 16 friends or 16 people at your church family and say, I love for you to be a part of a place where God is good and we're grateful to him, no matter who we are and where we are. So, so I guess what I'm saying is if we would go back to our Bible story for a second, let's be the one. Let's be the one. Let's not be the nine. Let's be the one where, where we make up our minds, where we decide, where we commit to have a habit of closing the loop and returning back not only to God, but to people around you to say thank you. My question for you is, so who's helped you move forward? Who are the people in your past who've added value and contributed to your life and have you thanked them lately? Have you texted them and said, thank you? If not, why not? What are you waiting for? This is the perfect week for us to express our gratitude to those individuals. And I think for most of us, if not all, 
in this moment, as we wrap up today, I think it's really easy for us to express our gratitude to Jesus Christ, to be the one that would return to him and say thank you.